I was a tough brother. I was rough on my sister. I don't know how she made it through her childhood. I really don't. Because I always had a good idea. You know, that's when you get in trouble, right? I always had a good idea. Come on, Cheryl. Her name's Cheryl. Let's do this. And we'd do this. And I'd make her do it. And she'd just want to sit at home, play with dolls. I'd say, no, come on, let's go do this thing. And the thing that I liked to do the most was was do like a carnival. It was very... uh, uh, it, was, it was a fundraiser for muscular dystrophy. You guys remember when they did those? Uh, when they had the, yeah? <laughs> so, so I'd like to raise money for muscular dystrophy. I was, you know, I cried every year during that, uh, what, what do they call that? Telethon. That's, I knew I knew that word. <laughs> so we did, a, we did a carnival. We had this plot of land, and we did all these different booths, and it was just like me and my sister running the whole thing. And I'm, we were young, and we'd raise money. And my poor sister, I just put her through misery every year doing things like this. How many of you, you your, your brother or sister told on you? Raise your hand. Yeah? How come no parents raise their hands? <laughs> you know, my, my sister always told on me, Ira, you, Ira did this. I remember one time. My sister told on me because I was annoying her in the car. I got so mad, I just stomped out of the car, and I, and I kind of I did a fake runaway. I ran into my basement. Kid, don't do this. I, ran into my, I broke into my basement, and I ran in there, and I hid all day. And the door was locked from the inside, so my parents didn't think I went in there. But it wound up that when I saw these guys with batons and guns and blue pants walking through the backyard with lights looking for me, I thought, I better come out. (laughs) And so I came out. My parents were shocked that I was in there. So, you know, my my kids, you know, I don't think they have a rivalry, but they can rile each other up. You know, they kind of best one another, and the energy level gets up there, and eventually you're saying, someone's going to get That's right. Someone's going to get hurt. And, you know, this is what happens with siblings. And our story today is about siblings, about Cain and Abel. But this isn't the only sibling story that's in the Bible. You know, we have Jacob and Esau. They had a rough time of it. You know, they finally got it together, but they had a rough time of it, right? Yes? And then Joseph and his brothers. I mean, how you'd like to be sold as a slave by your brothers? That's not so much fun. Sisters, don't be thinking about this right now. I could tell you are. Hey, I can make some money and sell my brother and get him out of my house. That's good. I should try that. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about three acts that have to do with this story of Cain and Abel. I only got to act one in first service, so we'll see how far we get. But act one is real worship, what it is and what it isn't. It's so important for us to understand this because this is what was taking place at the beginning of the story, which we'll read up in a minute. What is real worship? What is acceptable to God is worship. And the second, act two, is real repentance. And act three is what is real life? What is real life? This is the story of Cain and Abel. So let's look at real worship right now. Genesis 4 says, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. 
She said, with the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. And later she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Real worship. What is real worship? Here we have two examples, right? We have two examples. The first example is Cain. He brought some of the fruit. But Abel took great care in his relationship with God and brought the best that he could. The the original language indicates that Cain kind of was looking around and he said, well, 52 cents, okay, here you go, and give it to God, that kind of thing. It wasn't the best, it wasn't a lot, it was just, you know, whatever was around. It was the convenient thing to give to God. And Abel did something quite different than that. Cain brought some of the fruit, but Abel brought fat portions. Now, in our culture today, you you cut off the fat, right? But the reality is, is, you know, I'm kind of a foodie, so I know about these things. You know, the best cuts have great marbled meat because fat is the best part. It is the most precious part. Matter of fact, now they have like Kobe beef, right? There's somebody named Kobe here today. <laughs> with Kobe beef is, is beef from Japan that's raised with like such a high fat content, it almost melts in your mouth. So this is the finest portions that Abel was bringing to God. And he also, he just didn't bring the fat portions, the finest portions. He also brought the firstborn. He brought the first. You know, it's one thing to see what's left over and say, well, that's an okay thing. I think I'll give that to God, you know. Or you spend all your money throughout the month and, and you think, well, I have a few cents left over. Okay, I'll give that to God. It's another thing to decide I am going to give God the first thing, the best thing that I could possibly give. I'm going to give that to God. What happens when you give the first and the best to God? You have to trust Him with the rest, right? Yes? You have to trust Him with the rest. You can do it the other way and think, oh, this first best thing I'm going to use so that I get my needs met. But God says, give me the first Give me the best. Abel brought the best. You know, someone recently told me that, that our worship is kind of like emotionalism, what we do on, on Sunday mornings. And I had to explain to him that it was something far di- different than that. I explained to him that it's like we're walking into the throne room of God, literally. That's what we're doing. You guys think so? We are walking into the throne room of God. And you bet it's emotional. You bet something intense is happening. But emotions is not what it's about. Lights are not what it's about. Music is not what it's about. Words are not what it's about. It's about the glory of God. The presence of God. 
came, it was casual. Whatever, I'll just give. But Abel gave the best. You know, when, this is kind of the progression of, of why we should give the best to God. You know, when you have your phone out and you're looking at Facebook, anybody chuckle at some things? Yeah? You chuckle. Yeah. So that, that's one response, right? Then the next response is, you know, you might be, I don't know, at a little recital or something. I went to uh, a wonderful show that, that Hazel Duncan did. She was Golda in Fiddler on the Roof. And, you know, I clapped for the show. I clapped a lot for the show. It was awesome. You know, and so you might clap for something good. But then, if it's great, you might actually stand, right, and clap too and give an ovation. Yes? Have you ever done this? Are you there? Okay. And then, what if, what if it is so awesome, like the Super Bowl next week and your team wins, what are you going to do at the end when your team wins? You're going to stand up and you're going to clap and you're going to jump and you're going to shout. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do that. (laughs) But we do it, right? This is the way we worship the Lord because he is awesome. He is awesome. Watch this scripture, Psalm 47. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout, for, shout to God with cries of joy, for the Lord Most High is awesome, the great King over all the earth. He is awesome. And so our worship, our first fruits worship, our best worship, we give to Him. It's so easy to get casual with God. Have you ever noticed that? You know, if you, it's so easy to kind of forget that he's with you. It's easy to be casual. You know, sometimes I, uh, I'm tired. You know, I spend time with the Lord almost every day. And, and I, I always worship him every day because there's nothing. I was created to worship him. You were created to worship him. Everything that we're going to do in the expression of eternity is about worshiping and giving glory to God. So it's my great rehearsal time right before the day and, and to worship him. And, and sometimes I'm just tired and I just feel like I can't get up. But then I start hearing the words that are coming from my mouth about how great is our God. Jody's not here, so she can't pay me not to sing. <laughs> How great is our God? And I think, God, you are great. And I, I can't sit down. Now, standing, is, it, it's just an act, right? But honestly, there's something about being with God, being in his presence, walking into that throne room that kind of throws your whole body into attention if you realize you're doing it. But it's very easy to be casual in your, in your, in, in your worship. It's very easy to kind of, eh, I'll come in and eh, I'll miss a few songs. I remember there was this one guy. I remember this because he, he just sent me an email this week. There was a guy who used to come to our church. He doesn't, he doesn't come anymore. He lives out, out of the state. And he used to come in after worship. It was obvious. Like after the last song, 
Someone like buzzed him on the phone. You can come in now. And he'd come in, right? And he'd come and he'd sit down and hear the message and then he'd leave afterwards. And, uh, you know, I don't know what that was about. I never really asked him. All I know is, is that somehow God got a hold of him. He came to base camp. He learned some things. He started getting involved at a certain point. And some radical thing happened in his heart. Then he had to move away for his job. And I get this email from him that he was just in Africa preaching on the streets of Africa to people about Jesus Christ. Here is a guy that couldn't even proclaim the goodness of God in our church. And he is all the way across the world proclaiming the goodness of God to those that are in the streets. That's amazing, isn't it? This is what God does to us. It's called first fruits. Abel's sacrifice was accepted because he gave the all. What's the all? Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul. With all. What does that look like for you? It's a very practical word, all. It'd be a mistake to leave it as a theoretical concept. What does worshiping God with all look like for us today? I tell you, it is a very inconvenient thing to worship God with all. It stops our agenda immediately. He worshiped God with all. He also gave the best. He gave the fat portions, the choicest to God. And he also gave the first. He worshiped with all. He gave the best. He gave the first. That's acceptable worship to God. But it's, what does giving it first look like to you? Getting up in the morning and praising God? I don't know. It, it doesn't have to be a religious thing. I don't have to tell you what it is. You'll know what it is. What does giving God the first of your life look like to you? That's what he wants so desperately. That's what he was so disappointed in, in Cain's offering. Abel went out of his way to please God. Cain simply discharged a duty. Worshiping God like this is very inconvenient. It interrupts your life all the time. But it is what we were created to do. It's what we were made to do. There's nothing more fulfilling in the whole world than worshiping God the way Abel did. Let's talk a little about first fruits, the heart of first fruits. It says in Hebrews eleven four, by faith Abel brought God a better sacrifice, a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, this is an important thing. God's saying right here that it it is something related to faith. That makes a first fruits offering a first fruits offering, a best offering a best offering, and all the heart offering, all the heart offering. 
It's about your faith. What do we mean by faith? Just a little further in Hebrews, just two, two uh, verses down, Hebrews 6 says, uh, 11, 6 says this, and without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe, one, that he exists, and two, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He exists. God exists. He is the all-powerful, almighty, glorious King of kings, creator of the universe, sustainer of life. Every breath you take is because he ordained it. He is sovereign. Amen? He exists. He just doesn't exist. He also rewards. What does that mean? He is good. He is completely and utterly good. There is nothing about God that isn't good. He takes everything about who he is and he points it right at us with his goodness. All his power, all his might, all his glory, all his wisdom, all his knowledge has one great goal and to bless and to be good to those that he loves. Isn't that amazing? Yes? Hope you're keeping up with me here on this. This is amazing. This is what faith is all about. When we have this kind of faith, we could be set free to worship. Can't you see that? If you truly believe that, you could be set free to worship. You could have first fruits worship. What are some of the obstacles to first fruits worship? Things that are priorities in your life that have nothing to do with God. Those things have to be addressed in your lives, in my life. I am constantly looking that, at that day after day after day. What's the quality of first fruits? We see what first fruits looks like by looking at Christ because he is the first fruits. 1 Corinthians 15.20 says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. This is what Abel gave. He gave a firstfruits sacrifice. This represents Christ himself. Christ is the firstfruits of God. Hebrews 12.1-2 says, Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that set it before us. Look at what Jesus did. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. He couldn't care less about the shame. He was there to offer himself this amazing sacrifice. First fruit sacrifice to God himself on our behalf. Come on, you guys. Is that not incredible? What an incredible gift God has given us. Jesus is the first fruit sacrifice. You know, I, I think about worship a lot because I think in my life, it is absolutely the key to be, me being transformed on a daily basis. Because when, when, when I lay down my sacrifice every morning, or whenever I do it, as often as I do it, I lay down that sacrifice, there's something that aligns in my life for that day that is powerfully transforming. It happens right there, but it affects my whole day. 
I'll give you an example because what I'm sharing right now is what happened this week when I laid down my offering to God. I was reading in Exodus about the tabernacle, that is the, the place of worship that was set up in, in, the, uh, in the desert after the children of Israel left Egypt. And it, it was quite ornate. And there were great instructions. As a matter of fact, the instructions were, do this exactly according to pattern. So the pattern was set out there by God. And it was a pretty lavish pattern. If you think the Trump hotels look lavish, you have another thing coming. Because the lavishness of God is much greater than that, anything that we can see on earth. There were, on the breastplate of the priest, there were 12 gems, a different gem for each tribe, representing each tribe. There were beautiful fabrics intertwined throughout the entire facility. There were ornate structures, and there was gold. There was bronze. There was silver. There was a lot of gold. There was so much gold that I thought, gee, I wonder what this gold is worth in today's, you know, in, in what price today, just to see what God was trying to say to us. Because God owns it all. What was he trying to say with using a lot of gold? It was $40 million worth of gold in today's market. You think that's a lot of gold? I think God was trying to say something. He's saying that this is a valuable experience. Being in my presence is precious. There is nothing more important. Everybody in Israel contributed to that tabernacle. Everybody gave their gold. Everybody donated to this purpose. For the purpose of worshiping God. All the senses were used in the tabernacle. It's amazing. God loves our senses. You know, why do you think we have senses? There's a few theories that I have about worship. One of them I'm really pretty, pretty sure about is that our imagination, God gave us imagination, being able to see things that aren't there so we can see the one who is invisible. That is the primary reason for our imagination. What do you think? And when you don't use your imagination for that and you use it for unhealthy things, you look at wrong things, you think wrong things, it is distorting one of the greatest gifts God has given us, our imagination, for the purpose of fully understanding and realizing the glory of God. I encourage you to use your imagination in ways that will exalt God and not destroy your heart. There are so many things out there on the internet, pictures you can look at, things you can say, things you can do. Don't do it. The imagination is used for a lot of unhealthy things. Use it for something that will bring life. I also think our five senses are for that very purpose. Now, we do use them for other things. We taste food. That's nice. But I think everything about our senses is to be compared with the glory of God. Touch. Sight. In the temple, in the tabernacle, we looked at something glorious. We smelled something wonderful. It was the incense that was prepared that was in the presence of God. We touched things. We heard things. You know what we heard? We heard the slaughter of animals, right? We heard the prayers of the priest. 
All these things God was bringing to us so that we can understand the powerful nature of his profound presence in our midst. So with this understanding, you know, I was thinking and looking at this temple. And now God said, now I want you to go to what Jesus said in, in, uh, about the temple. And, and so I went to Matthew 23. And I'm going to read this to you. I want you to kind of not look at the part which is the rebuke because he is rebuking people. But look at the progression that is being set up here because there is a progression that's being set up here that really states the value of worship. And it goes like this. Woe to you, blind guides. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, is bound by his oath. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gift on the altar is bound by that oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And everyone who swears by the temple swears by it and the one who dwells in it. And anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and the one who sits on it. Everything from the greatest to the least derives its value from the one who sits on the throne. This is where worship starts. It is because God gives value to something that it has value. You are valuable because God said you are valuable to him. There is nothing in this world that has true value that wasn't given by God. Now, in thinking about this, there are a lot of things that we value that really aren't valuable, right? But when it comes to true value, God is the only one who can give it. So here's some kingdom principles. First, we honor what we value. It's kind of a funny story, you know. If you know me, you know that for the last 14 years here in Utah and seven or eight years in California, I have driven a 95 blue Honda Accord stick shift. <laughs> it, it still drives good. It's 22 years old. I'm so, matter of fact, I brought it in to, to get um, emission tested, and, and the guy said, I can't believe how clean this is. So, you know, it's a nice car. It, you know, but guess what? I, I got in an accident about six months ago. This guy hit me from back. I thought I might have hurt my neck, but I didn't. And you know, we got up in the, and, and looked in the back of the car, and sure enough, there's a big dent in the back of my bumper. And I said, nah, oh well, just go home. It's a 22-year-old car. What am I going to do? Make this guy fix a 22-year-old car? It doesn't have that much value that, it, that it's perfect like that, right? Now, part of the story is that Volkswagen gave me and Cynthia a gift this last, uh, about a month ago. See, Volkswagen, they kind of had a little trouble with their, with their um, diesels. Do you guys know that? <laughs> and so they, they gave us a gift. They actually had to buy back our car and give us extra money besides it 
uh, because of their problem with their, with their diesels. And, and so we were able to buy a, a cool new car. And so I'm a little more careful of this car. This car has a little more value to me. I'm driving around and I'm looking like four cars ahead of me. Is anybody driving stupid? <laughs> looking behind. I'm, I mean, I'm valuing this thing because it has not one little nick on it yet. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Why did I say that? <laughs> it has not one nick on it yet. It's really a fun car. And, you know, it has a lot more value than the car that got crunched. And I said, ah, forget it. It's not a big deal. You know, so we honor what we value. The next thing is all value flows from God. Every value, every value that is true value flows from God. The next is, so God is of the highest value because he is able to give value. And the last point is, therefore God deserves all glory, honor, and praise for he is of utmost value. Got to that point again, huh? We're going to have Adam sing a song in a second. God is of the highest value. You know, it is inconvenient to worship God like this in your life. And I'm not just talking about singing on Sunday, although I am talking about singing on Sunday too. I'm talking about living a lifestyle of worship. It is grossly inconvenient but it is the most fulfilling. It is why we were created. Anybody know who Brother Lawrence is? Brother Lawrence is somebody I read about many, many years ago. He, is, he was a monk hundreds of years ago. Who knows him? Like hardly anybody. He is a monk from hundreds of years ago. And he, he loved God, and, and he wound up joining a monastery, and, and he wound up being a cook. For 15 years, he was a cook in a monastery, a dinky little monastery. And something happened in that kitchen that usually doesn't happen in kitchens. Usually there's fighting that happens in kitchens. But in this kitchen, he learned the secret of what he... he later entitled The Practice of the Presence of God, to be in God's presence. He learned that secret, and he delighted in it. And You know, he could have gotten promotions and this. No, 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 I just want to stay here in the kitchen. Well, finally, word got out to people in the monastery. Something's happening in the kitchen. Something's happening in that kitchen. God's showing up. The presence of God is there. Look at Brother Lawrence. It got out to the monastery. Well, after a while, it didn't just get out to the monastery. Royalty, famous people throughout the entire land were writing him and saying, what's going on in the kitchen? So he started writing him letters back. That's what his little book is. He had no idea he was writing a book at the time. But he wrote these little letters to famous people, wealthy people, who were dying to know what is the secret of the presence of God in your life. And today we have a book. Hundreds of years later, this, this inconspicuous man 
that chose to stay hidden away in an inconvenient place gave glory to God in such a wonderful way. You know, you might, you might know the story about Mother Teresa. She, she uh, when she was alive, she had a, a journalist that was following her around for a week, and they went throughout, you know, the entire countryside and watched her do things. And then she, uh, towards the end of the trip, she came up to this uh, uh, person who had leprosy. And uh, it, was, it was a very terrible case of leprosy. I don't know if you've ever smelt rotting skin. I have. It is one of the most awful, awful smells you can ever smell. I was in a hospital here in Utah where I smelt it, and it was so bad they actually have things to do to deal with it because it will literally make people sick where they cannot be in the room. It's that bad. I'm describing it to you on purpose because this is Mother Teresa with, with a, a, a person, a woman who had rotting skin just falling off her, her, her bones. And here she is taking care of it and cleaning the wound. And the journalist out of the, under her breath says, I wouldn't do that for a million dollars. And Mother Teresa says, neither would I. Neither would I. It is so wonderful to give God your first fruits worship. It is more valuable than money. It is more valuable than fame. Stay in a closet. Stay in the kitchen, but give glory to God. There is nothing more wonderful than honoring the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Thank you. Well, if we do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must not rule over it. We are always going to fail in this first fruits attempt at worshiping God. The point is, don't resist repenting to God. Here was God coming up to Cain saying, dude, you didn't do it right. He knew what was right. It was very clear that he knew what to do, was what was right and what wasn't. And he didn't do it. It's very clear to us how to worship God. But many times we don't. Our choice is, are we going to resist? Or are we going to surrender to Christ at this point in our lives? If you resist, what happens is this jealousy, envy, strife, and murder happens, right? That's the rest of the story. Death happens in your life. That's what happened in, in Cain's heart. And the great representation of that was the fact that not only did that happen, but also he was asked to leave the very presence of God. And that is why we derive value, is because we are in the presence of God. You understand that? When we are in the presence of God and he speaks words to us, he is speaking to us life. He is speaking to us value. 
that only he can do. And so I just want to give us an opportunity right now to repent, to give to God and say, yes, I want to give all to you. I want to give you my best and I want to give you my first. Do you guys want to do that? Let's pray. Lord God, can you just lift your hands to the Lord just as a sign of surrender saying, yes, I want you, God. Lord, we want you today. We want to experience your life, Lord. You are worthy. There is no one like you. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. You are the mighty one, the great I am, the holy God who was and is and is to come. We lift our hands to you in praise because you are worthy of it. All value, all honor, all glory come from you. Anything that we find value in comes from your giving it value and assigning it value. And so right now, Lord, we ask that if there's anything in our life that's standing in the way of giving you our first, our best, and our all, would you show it to us, God? Because it is just worthless. It is hopeless. It is unnecessary. It is a distraction. It is exactly what it did to Cain, death. We ask that you would show it to us. We offer that to you and ask that you would cleanse us from that. That we could give you our first fruits worship. I just want to give you an opportunity. You can put your hands down. If there's anyone here while we're praying that, that wants to give their heart, give their life over to the one who saved you, the blood of Jesus Christ is is an amazing thing. It's, it's funny. The, the blood of Abel cries out with guilt from the ground, as it says in this scripture. But this is what it says in Hebrews 24. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. The blood of Jesus speaks out forgiveness. And if you want that forgiveness, if you want that reconciliation to God and connecting in relationship with him, I just want to encourage you to raise your hand right now. Is there anyone here like that? Just raise your hand. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, right now, we just come before you for those that are giving their hearts to you. We ask, God, that they would make that first step with you. Ask that you would come in and that you would live with them and bring them new life. We thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, we choose to live a life of worship in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.